0: Um, I'm going to share a couple announcements at the end because I want to dive into the sermon. So um, I'll share a couple announcements at the end of the service. But for now, let me pray and then we're going to jump into a new series together. Lord, thank you for uh, your goodness, your grace, and your love for us that um, never ends. And uh, as we sang this morning, I pray that we would learn uh, what it means for you to really be our joy that uh, God, it's an amazing reality that we can experience joy in all circumstances because of you, Jesus. And so um, may we experience your joy here this morning. Bless um, this time as we gather. May your spirit be at work in our hearts and our minds. And would your word um, go out and go forth and work in our lives and do the things that the word can do. Uh, Teach, transform, convict, uh, encourage. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Aaron. Uh, excited that you're here if you're new and visiting. We've had quite a few new people coming and we love that. We're excited. We want to help in any way we can in uh, answering questions you might have and um, as well as connecting you into this family that uh, God's created. Uh, and so if you ever have any questions or want to ask uh, or figure out how to get connected, come talk to me or anyone uh, on the church staff, we uh, we're starting a new series this morning called the Bigger Better Offer. You know, I don't know uh, if you've ever found in your life you're looking around at your life and you're going, "This isn't who I want to be. This isn't what I expected to happen in my life. This isn't how I want to feel. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the next step uh, should be in my life or in my career. I'm I'm, I'm not where I want to be in my life or my career." Uh, I think all of us find ourselves in those situations and I think it's an, it's an impactful time to sort of look and go, I'm not where I want to be, well then, what, what am I doing to get there? And maybe I need to start doing like the opposite things I'm doing to get there. You know, like it's like I put on COVID weight and I keep asking my wife, why am I not losing weight? I never work out, I don't eat healthy, and I love to snack at night. Like why isn't this working? Well, yeah, maybe do the opposite. Maybe start working out. Maybe start eating healthy and don't eat after 7 o'clock. That'll probably help. This series, what we want to do is look at one text in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. It's meant to give us wisdom in how to live. And what we're, we're looking at is we're actually going to look at the things, and it's profound, the things God says he hates. And to look and say, uh, do I hate the things that God hates? Do I love the things that God loves? Like maybe living differently, maybe the, like doing the opposite is the bigger, better offer that God is giving us. And that's what the series is about. It's about learning to hate what God hates and learning to love what God loves in order to show up different in this world. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and this is the premise of the series. It says this, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. This is like, I mean, this is pretty like jagged. Like it it sort of uh, rugged in in that Jesus or God rather is like here's the things that God hates Jesus too, like here here are the things that are detestable to me and the the what we're gonna do is each week look at this but starting off I'm actually gonna be giving uh, the message around the sites on the one thing that that is listed twice here and that's lying. It says that uh, God hates a lying tongue and then later it says a false witness who pours out. Lies. Um, It's clear God hates lying. He hates untruthfulness because of what it stirs up. And not just big lies, but all lies. You know, um, it's easy to sort of um, think it's okay to get away with stuff when no one's looking. Or it's easy to sort of say, well, this... There's far worse things a person could lie about than this. Like, this isn't really hurting something. Or you might even, like, give a lie, like, benevolently. A uh, couple of, was it last Christmas or two Christmases ago, I uh, was so excited. My wife and I had agreed to give each other one gift. And uh, I'm into technology. My wife just doesn't care at all. And she had this, like, iPad mini that had so many cracks going through it that it looked like, you know, a broken mirror. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to get her a brand new iPad. I was so excited about it. I'm like, oh, she's going to be so excited to get a brand new iPad. So I, Christmas morning, we're opening gifts as a family. It's that magical time. And uh, I'm like, Cal, which my wife's name is Kristen, so those of you who don't know, her initials before we got married were Kristen, it was Kristen Ann Lundquist, K-A-L. So her nickname, and I've always called her Cal. So that's my wife, Cal. So Cal, I, I give her the gift. And I'm just, you know, like beaming. My, I'm like smiling. And she opens it up, and I knew right away. She goes, like her, the look on her face. Uh, like she was super excited about her Christmas gift. And then there it is, an iPad. And I'm beaming, and she's, and I knew right away, this was a terrible move. And my wife is, like, honestly, the most honest person I've ever met. She, like, cannot lie. She goes, I go, oh. And she goes, thanks, but I do not want this. Can you return it? (laughs) That's literally what she said. And I'm thinking, why? I go, you're always so honest. It's Christmas morning. Could you just lie and then tell the truth on the 26th? Like, So the, the bad thing, so then she gives me my gift. And this is going to sound like retribution or revenge, but she's all excited, gives me the gift. I open it up, and it's, a, it's like a, a tea machine. It like, makes tea like a coffee maker. And I was like, I don't like tea. <laughs> so, well, you're just saying that because you got me an iPad. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> Christmas Day ruined. See, honesty sometimes, <laughs> honesty sometimes like we go, It kind of ruins things. Like maybe we lie a little bit just to like benevolently take like love on each other. But the thing is, is like Jesus says something later in the Sermon on the Mount that sort of says, no, it doesn't work that way. Let me read for you Matthew 5, 33 through 37. He says, again, you have heard what it was said to the people long ago. Do not break your oath but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. I just wanna pause there for a second. It's really important to recognize that, uh, you know, we live in a written culture. You, um, you buy a house or you know, anything like legally, we sign documents because we live in a, in a written culture. And those documents are there to sort of say, this is the oath. This is the promise that has been made between this person and this person. It's a binding agreement that creates accountability. I'm signing that I'm going to pay this amount for this house, and I'm going to pay this much each month until I pay it off. We we live in a written culture where back back then, in Jesus' time, it was an oral culture. And so it was vital that like agreements were it was heard between more than just two people. Because in it, if it's not, it could be a he said, she said kind of thing. Well, I agree to this, no, we agreed to this. So agreements, covenants, promises, obligations, oaths, they were always made very publicly. Like nothing was hidden. The reason was, it, it, without if it was hidden, it, there, it lacked the power of accountability. And Jesus is saying, "You have heard it said that you know don't like don't break your vows. Like it's important to keep your promises, the oaths, the covenants that you have made." He goes, "But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven." For it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even white one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Other translations say, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. What, what is Jesus saying here? Well, he's giving us a profound insight into truthfulness. But what does he mean when he's saying like, you know, don't swear by heaven for it's God's throne, or by the earth for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great head, or by your head. Don't swear by all those things. What is what is he getting at there? What he's saying is he's saying this, it is, uh, you, 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 should make promises in your life. It's not wrong to, to, to make covenant promises or oaths. Like we do that when we get married. We do it when we do children dedications. We do it through baptism. We do it in a lot of different ways where we make promises. He's not saying don't make promises to, to people. He's saying, look, um, don't use, like don't look at, at, at the promises you make as some being more important than others like there aren't varying degrees of truthfulness like let me give you an example so and stay with me here you ever hear like or you've ever done this? like you 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 know something is true or you want to convince someone that that it's true and you say i swear or i hate this i swear to god now, I'm guessing many of us, maybe all of us, have said that. I, you know, I, I swear on my mother's grave. As if to say, like, when I say yes, it's not enough. Like, I need to swear upon something else to either convince you of a lie, because people do that. They'll lie, and they'll say, like, I swear to God, And people are like, oh wow, like you wouldn't swear to God unless it was actually true. Or you just, you want the person or persons to know, like, you really mean it, so you say that. Like it is, in fact, true, but you're gonna say, I swear, I swear, cross my heart, hope to die. Like all that stuff. And Jesus is actually saying to Christians, don't do that. Like, I, I hate that. I don't like that. You don't need to do that. Like, people of integrity are going to, like, strive for truthfulness, and that's the type of people we should strive to be, people of integrity where we tell the truth. And in doing so, your yes or your no is just good enough. You don't have to swear on God or on the earth or on a a grave. And he, he... He's You know, this whole imagery of, that he uses with, um, like, swearing on the earth and swearing on your head and swearing on uh, Jerusalem. He's trying to, he, Jesus is trying to get us to see something as well. And that is, like, nothing you do or say is hidden. He's saying, like, you can't swear on this stuff because all of it belongs to God. Like, the earth and everything in it, I've created. The heavens, I'm, you know, I created. The hair on your head, I've created. In essence, he's saying, like, God is everywhere. All of it belongs to him. And so, truthfulness is is so important because you might think you're able to get away with a lie or something, but you're not. You never get away with a lie, even if you go to your grave and no other human being ever found out the truth behind that lie. Why? Because everything is observed. That's what Jesus is saying here. Every action, every word is observed because God is in your car, in your bedroom, at work, at the playground, at the coffee shop. And it goes back to that accountability thing that, that was made when people made oaths. You made, you, you made promises in front of other people because it did create an accountability. And see, what Jesus is trying to connect is he's saying, look, when you lie, it's in front of people, even though you might think it's not, because God can see it. God's eyes are on it. You know, I, one of the things I, I like to do occasionally You know, I office at Woodridge Church a lot and I drive by Baker Golf Course when I go there and when I come back. And if I have a few minutes, I'll go to Baker and I'll go to the putting green. I like to golf and I'll just putt. Just kind of a nice way to relax and uh, remind myself how bad I am at golf. Um, But I'll go there because it's free. You just go out there, putt for 15, 20 minutes, go home. Just a nice, I enjoy it. Simple as that. So the other week, I went, putted for a while. Then they have like this sand trap where they got balls in the, in the sand trap you can h- practice hitting out of the sand. I did that. And that's right next to the driving range. And Baker now has uh, this kind of, the way they, they do it is they just have golf balls everywhere and you can hit as many golf balls as you want. Well, that is, you, you go to the clubhouse and you pay first. And I'm in the bunker and I looked. and I go, Just hit a couple balls. Like it doesn't hurt anybody. Whatever. So they look around. I just, all right. and I go up, like the closest spot next to the free area, and I just take some balls, start hitting it, hitting it. Sort of like this. Ugh. I don't really feel great about it, but it ain't hurting anybody. Nobody's watching. So I'm there, and all of a sudden I hear this. Hey. I go, oh, this is me. I'm looking like this, and I hear behind me. Hey. I go, I go, oh no. Turn around and there's this guy coming toward me. He goes, you live in Delano? I go, yeah. He goes, your name Aaron? I go, yeah. He goes, you a pastor in Delano? I go, yeah. You the pastor of the Highlands Church in Delano? I go, yeah. I go, look, what sort of surveillance do they have at this (laughs) golf course? That's really top notch. They know everything about you. It's like the NSA. (laughs) And the guy comes up to me. Derek Derek Roars, are you here? There you are, buddy. So, Derek, uh, him and his family are new to the church, right? Derek was out there with his son. And he he comes up to me and goes, Yeah, hey, I'm Derek. Uh, You know, my family started coming. I go, Oh, I'm thinking this guy works at Baker. He's running surveillance. (laughs) And I just got busted. But then I go, This is awful. I'm like cheating right in front of a new guy and his family. (laughs) So then we're talking, like, da-da-da, like, we're liking the church, we're checking it out, great, yeah, you know, we're just, we're a community really trying to cultivate truthfulness (laughs) and integrity. I didn't say that, but I'm feeling awful the whole time. So I, you know, whatever, we go on about it, and I just, I kept hitting balls, like, I I can't do this. So I go into the clubhouse, I go, "Um, I owe you money. And like the high school bro working... We're going what? I, I was putting, and I just to tell you the truth. I went down a dry range, I hit a bunch of balls, so I want to pay. And the guy goes, You serious? <laughs> oh, yeah. He goes, Nobody ever does that. Wow. Like, thanks for telling the truth. Oh, yeah, here's the money, pay him. He goes, Wow. Th-. He said three times, Thanks for telling the truth. And uh, so in this story, I'm the good guy and the bad guy. The point is this, it's really easy to sort of like convince ourselves that it's okay. To do things that we don't think are, like to lie because we go, no one notices or no one, uh, it's not hurting anyone. Like Baker isn't going to go out of biz because I didn't pay $8 for a bucket of balls, you know? And we just sort of, we justify that. But Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like, these are the moments, the defining moments. This is the battlefield every single day that we find ourselves in, where we can either be honest or dishonest. And he says, you're, you're, like, we're the proverbial f- frog in the kettle when it comes to lying. You know that sort of, like, illustration where the frog's in the kettle and, like, it doesn't know that it's, gra- like it's, it's fine, the frog's happy in the kettle, but there's a fire underneath, and as time goes on, that fire gets hotter and hotter hotter, and the temperature of the water gets a little bit hotter, a little bit hotter, a little bit hotter, until it's too late and the frog is boiled and dead. Lying can do that. We are the proverbial frog in the kettle, where these little moments where we think it's okay, we're going to get away with it, it's not hurting anybody, is one grain of sand. It's one pebble. But over time, what Jesus is saying is that that pebble stacks and eventually becomes a mountain. And those moments catch up to us. Those moments of deceit, of untruthfulness, catch up to us. Later in the sermon, Jesus goes, You reap what you sow. And you, if you live a life of deceit and unhonesty, even in the little moments where we think no one's watching or no one, you know, it's, it's not really hurting anybody, that's a lie in and of itself. Like, it will eventually catch up to you because it creates a culture of mi- mistrust. Think about truthfulness. And this is, I mean, we are living in a time where it's really hard to trust what we're hearing all over the place. But think about humanity as a whole without truth. What if you could never uh, trust what a politician says? Well, that one's easy. <laughs> but what if you could never trust what a doctor said? What if we just always were like, politicians lie, doctors, all of them lie. Pastors, what if you could never trust a pastor or a religious leader? Like, because the expectation is they're lying. You go to your dentist, the guy says, you got a cavity. You go, you're lying. <laughs> you just want money. You see how distrust will utterly, if, if you could never trust anyone, the, like all, all of like uh, the humanity, what happens? That level of distrust, it will create tribalism. It'll create war. No one's no, gonna know who to trust. You see that distrust, lying, will utterly break and destroy humanity. It's why Jesus is saying truth is so powerful and necessary. And it's why we find ourselves every single day in the trenches, in these moments where we can either pay for the golf balls or not. And Jesus is saying, like, look, if you think you're getting away with it, Aaron, you're not. Everything is observed. Everything under the sun is observed. I see it. And who do you want to be in this life? Who, and one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself, and I can who am I when no one's looking? Who am I when no one is looking? And if I'm padding the expense accounts, if I'm lying to get a sale, it's not going unnoticed. And Jesus is saying, I want you to live striving for integrity because I see what lies does. It tears relationships apart. It tears apart our humanity. And God goes, I don't want that. And so it's, it's, it's a way of living every single day, recognizing that every word is observed. Every little yes and every little no is the background in which we fight for truthfulness and for the kingdom of God. As the band comes up, I just want to finish with this. It's really, these, this falls into like the challenging, the really challenging things that Jesus says. People love Jesus until he says hard stuff. They like like the loving side of Jesus, but then you get to the Sermon on the Mount, and you're like, you know, he says some, th- some things that cut and convict. And this falls in that, the hard thing that Jesus says. Look, it's gonna be, uh, even though it's hard, it's meant to dig and it's meant to convict. So you leave here and you feel conviction. You might go, you know, I've been, on, I've been dishonest about this. I've been lying about this. I'm engaged in a, in a system of lie, lying at my work or whatever, you know? And you feel, if you know, you feel that conviction, that's good. But Jesus isn't saying here he expects you to never like like to be perfect. You're not going to be. So you can leave here feeling really bad and really shameful and really gross. Or you can remember that that Jesus came because he loves you despite your unfaithfulness and your deceit. He lived the honest life you could never live. He lived the, the, the life of integrity in the dark that you and I could never live. And he says, My grace is sufficient in your time of need. My, my forgiveness is there in your dishonesty and your disloyalty, if you're willing to turn to me. And that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, when you become a follower of Jesus, God gives us these things not to say, Look, if you do otherwise, you're going to hell. Like, follow these rules. You break the rules, you're going to get, you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be put in the naughty. in in the naughty corner, and you're going to hell. No, Jesus goes, this is the best way to live. I'm telling you to live like this because it actually brings life. Lying destroys life. Even the benign little lies are just pebbles on top of a mountain that is just destroying humanity. He's like, let's be honest because honesty and truthfulness brings life. Even hard truth. Even... Can I return the iPad? I don't like it. Yeah, I don't love that I heard that from my wife, but I also want her to like, I don't want her to lie and then sort of like like have a grudge, you know, like I got, you know, I got something I didn't want. The truth sometimes sticks and, and hurts, but over time, we all probably recognize that hard truth was good truth to hear. Because it's truth. But Jesus is not saying you're never going to lie again and I'm expecting your perfection. He's saying, no, but I want you to challenge yourself to look and go, how do I live my life? And how are the everyday moments where, where I can say yes or no? Am I taking seriously that it's being observed? And when I fall, When I make a mistake, when I'm unfaithful, when I lie, the gospel, Jesus says, turn, and there's forgiveness waiting for you. So you can exist with both. You can be challenged by what Jesus says, but also assured. That's the power of the gospel. So who are we as a church? Who are we as the followers of Jesus when no one's looking? Who do we want to become? Who are we becoming? Knowing that man God is there to pick us up when we when we act out and be the people be like act as the people we don't want to be. He's there to pick us up, to love us and redeem us. But there's always that challenge to live different. Why? Not so that you can make God happy, but because God is saying it's the best way to live. It'll bring you life and hope and joy. Truth can bring life and hope and joy. And Jesus is saying, always fight for truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, you know, I pray that we would, Holy Spirit, be transformed by you to be people who are striving to be holy. That Jesus, you gave up so much so that we could even like, live for you and follow you. Would that compel our hearts to want to live differently in obedience to you? Thank you that your grace is sufficient when we mess up and when we fail. Thank you that you forgive us, that you don't turn your back on us, but that if we're willing to turn to you, you're there. I pray, God, for our world. It's just There's so much hate, evil, corruption, mistrust, uh, mistrust lies, just deceit. But Lord, you're there with open arms if if we are willing to turn. And I pray, God, that our cities, our states, our country, our world would turn back to you, Jesus. Would the truth of your word penetrate hearts to repentance? So, God, I pray that we would strive to be people, um, the people we say we are, even when no one's looking. And uh, we love you, Jesus. We pray it all in your name, amen. Let's stand together, we'll sing a few songs.